You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their life, how they got to where they are and the things they still face today. It's called Claim It because I believe that we can't be chasing our joy, our feelings of fulfillment, enough, success, love, all of that, that it's not out there somewhere. It's something we have to choose. We have to claim every single day. On today's episode, I have badass rock and roll photographer, Jen Rosenstein. She's the one that took the picture for this podcast for my I Call Bullshit series. You can regularly see her taking photos for people like Tiffany Haddish, Kiss, the Foo Fighters. All these people just coming right into her home studio just like I do. Jen is amazing at what she does, and I wanted to learn how she got into photography and how this journey came to be. So let's get into it. Hi, Jen. Hey, Trisha. Now that's much quieter than you said you were going to hey, talk. Trisha. <laughs> hey, Trisha. Trish, hey, Trisha. Which is fine. Better? I'm just going to need to adjust it. Okay. Can you hear me now? <laughs> is this better? Yeah. Okay, great. My come down came down. <laughs> All right. Okay. So as far as I've always known you, you've been a photographer. Yes. I met you because... I had been working for Jace Mraz a long time on and off, and you had met him when you were down, right? You met him when you were somewhere photographing, right? We met um, doing a photo shoot for a surfboard company okay. for Green Foam Surfboards, and he was really sick. And I asked him if I could take a photo of him with the surfboard in the water, and he was really sick. And I'm like, can you just take your shirt off and go in the water. He's like, ugh, sure. And we did this cool, quick photo shoot. And I was like, look, this is the stuff I do. And he was like, oh, you're really cool. I'm like, no, man, you're really cool. And then the oil spill happened, the BP. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you met when you were both That happened down. Like right before. Got it. And then I went to shoot that stuff, what was happening. And I came back and I had Jason's email from that shoot. And I sent him my photos and I said, yo... This is what I captured. I feel like you and I are aligned with what's happening right now. And he responded back pretty quickly like, hey, let's do something. Let's go back next week. And that was kind of our... Got it. Okay. How we met. That's, that's how it happened. So I didn't know that. I totally thought you both were like there trying to bring awareness to the oil spill and then met. So that's even bigger, bolder. And what I do know to be true about you is that you right now in my eyes are a very successful photographer, like taking pictures of people that I'm constantly like mouth dropping open, like, <laughs> oh my God, that person's getting her photos taken in the same place I was getting my Kelly. photos taken by Jen because Jen takes my photos. I do take your photos. Which I am stoked about and grateful for. And that, in like in that interaction, that's you putting yourself out there. I mean, I, I think that initial meat of doing that it was and that's kind of how I've continued on in my career is really just taking that chance and being kind of like fuck it like I'm just gonna do this if I if I hear no cool I'm still gonna do it and um just taking chances yeah taking the leap of faith that other yeah. people would be like a yes 
Because as you know, in our community that we've been a part of, like we try to say yes and kind of where I come from anyways, outside of the art world and is like, we say yes. When their commitment comes up, we say yes. And I'll touch back on this, but I'm guessing, do you still, every time you want to put a request out there, say like, hey, I'd love to take photos for you, whatever it is. Is there like doubt and fear before you make the ask? Oh, I feel like every day, like I'm probably, my career is over and I'm dead <laughs> in the water. <laughs> every every day. day. Even though you have every like. Every day. All, like this happened yesterday or like. This, yeah, like, but on what day, it was a couple days ago, I called my agent and she's in Nashville. And I was like, yo, Jenny, I'm dead in the water. And like, can you look at my work and tell me if I'm outdated and like outdated and she looks she's like Jen you're dumb like you're amazing not like you're dumb dumb but like you're amazing like you're really you're doing it and then like the next day literally like I get booked for seven shoots this week so it's kind of yeah the 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 headspace that happens I think as artists sometimes yeah and but that's why I wanted to bring attention to it because it's like it's not it's like it doesn't sometimes it feels easier Sometimes it doesn't. It's just like, even though like, and we'll get into like your history of asking and putting yourself out there that you're still like, oh no, no one's going to say yes. No one's going to hire me. No, and that you like have to keep stepping into that space of, okay, well, what if I just ask? What if I put myself out there? Well, that's a great point because that's a part of this. And I think in everyday living, I think people forget about that. But for me, like I have to always, even if I'm like faking it, like I feel like I'm such a fraud most of the time. And if I feel like, like, oh man, I can't do this. I do it anyways. And it's bigger and better than I would even dream of. That's usually the case. Meaning like you get booked on some job and you're like, I'm a fraud. I'm not going to be good at this. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. And then- here I am, and it's fucking great, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, everybody loves it. Everybody and loves have, it. Like, photos of Kiss on billboards or something, yeah, like all around over the like- world. Somebody just sent me a photo, <laughs> which this I'm sure morning. that was one that might have been like what I, it was. <laughs> well, somebody sent me a photo this morning. My images are on a race car in of Kiss in Australia for like their big race car adventures, or whatever. And somebody sent me that today. They're like, "Oh, look!" I'm like, "Oh, that's my work." But yeah, no, the same thing. Like when I. When they were like, hey, can you shoot Kiss? I'm like, can I shoot Kiss? Sure, I can shoot Kiss. But in your, are you like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I can shoot Kiss. And then you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Um, no, but it was great. And it, what was so, a quick, quick little story about that, what was so great about that little story is that it was, it was for a cover shoot for a magazine. And there was another photographer after me to shoot all the press stuff. And I was first and we were sharing kind of the space and I was shooting the band and they fucking loved it. The manager was like, keep shooting, Jen. They're loving you. And so I just kept shooting. I went above and beyond. And then they ended up going to do another shoot with this other guy. And they actually ended that photo shoot. And the manager called me 20 minutes later saying like, good news, bad news, bad news. They hate that shoot with that dude. Good news is they want to use all of your photos and buy them from you and X, Y, and Z. And like, it was one of those like fists in the air moments while on the phone, like, sure, sure. While the fist is going up and like, <laughs> like trying yeah. to be like, oh, sure, yeah, of yeah cool. Like, of yeah. Of mine, but you're like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then the next day I get like a personal email from Paul Stanley and Tommy. I'm like, these guys are such class acts. Wow. Yeah, wow. Cool. 
Okay, so let's go to the beginning okay. of you and f- photography. How did you end up with that being your thing or your main thing? Um, Where did you start to get into taking photos? Well, I was born in 1981. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, let's take it back. Let's take it way back. <laughs> no, I was really always into art and photography. And earlier on, um, I had a really um, intense speech impediment mm-hmm. issue. And um, I didn't really start speaking until I was 12. And I was in speech therapy from like the age of two to 12, like junior high school. And I was like really bullied, made fun of. So you're saying you didn't start speaking until you were 12. It sounded like, like like I I was trying. So even like your mom, my sister would be the only one. It's a joke. My sister and I have like, I would be like, and my sister would be like, Jenny wants a hot dog. Right. Like she like like, knew you from like being that. Wow. So that was like a big part of my life, like growing up and foundation and not being enough, not feeling good, being bullied, being picked on. Yeah, I I look like a little boy, you know, I look like a tomboy, like mullet style with like matching floral outfits. Very confusing. But I always wanted to be an artist and I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew I wasn't going to be a real estate agent or CPA or a doctor. I just knew that I wanted to be able to um, tell stories and it may not be with my voice. And is that throughout that time, did you like find, do you remember like finding joy or like, okay, like let me cut, like people can't understand me, but like, let me draw or just even like, I'm guessing because there was the speech issue, then you might have also given up a little bit on trying for sure to talk. And so then maybe what can I do to, you know, enjoy not even to get people to understand me, but like, okay, let me just go color or do this to like find something. Was that like were you always finding creative outlets that way? I was always finding creative outlets. And I actually remember this so clearly I would um collect uh cardboard boxes and in the garage I would make like a big spacecraft I was really into space. Like I wanted to be an astronaut at some point. So I um, made a big spaceship in the garage with very detailed like buttons and um, steering wheels and windows and what it would look like and how to get in and passcodes. I mean, there's no passcode, but like pretend, like just very visual. And I would imagine taking off in this space shuttle all the time. And that was kind of my creative outlet until... um, I started taking photos with um, throwaway cameras. Remember the old film yeah. throwaway? Like you buy it and then take it to the film place and then all of a sudden you have photos. I would, um, in junior high and high school, I would just take probably a dozen at a time to the hour film. My dad would just let me take them and dump them at these. And it would be like photos of like the gas station, like the gas pump. Wow. Maybe my shoe. Like I had no idea. I just knew. I'm like, I want to do this. This is so cool. Like how you get push a button then there's this photo and you could tell stories you know it's really into it and my senior year in high school my dad for my graduation present bought me a a Nikon camera a film camera and then that was it so let's go back to you said until you're about 12 people couldn't understand you Mm -hmm. like did something happen or just like finally the speech like therapy and stuff, like everything just finally kicked in? Or do you remember there being some? No, I think at that point, I think in the 80s and the 90s, they did the best the best they could. I mean, I'm sure if that would happen now, it would be handled much differently. Right. But like I was in special classes and like 
um, like a resource kind of class and for special people. And got it. So- I wasn't really given an, a lot of attention of like helping myself. And so growing up in school and academia, I had a hard time not reading, but like understanding. And it felt like people kind of gave up on me a little bit. So it wasn't like you, they were like, let's, she has problems speaking. Let's really like work on the speech impediment, like really like trying to retrain you. It was just like, okay, she's different or so she goes in this different class. Goes in this different class. So it wasn't like you felt like you were getting like this attention to fix or rehabilitate. It was just like, okay, so she's just goes over here. So we'll try just talking, doing this program. Exactly. Like they, um, I was in speech therapy, but it was like, let's work on your S's. Ours, you know, it wasn't um, really intensive. I just knew I found other friends that had the same issue sometimes, and we would just like ramble on to each other. Got it. But I mean, like, so eventually you. Eventually, this is what happened. Well, yeah, eventually what happened was my dad put me in karate to build my self esteem, and he put me in when I was six, and I was in it until I was like 18. Wow. And I ended up getting my black belt. And what happened for me while doing karate was the sensei I had at the time, which is like my instructor, he was really um, helping me to build my self-confidence and to use my voice. And he would like, in you know, help me pronounce words that I couldn't otherwise say. I still have issues with it. Sometimes I'm like, did I just make up that word? Like, it just so... Oh, I do that though. <laughs> we all do it. <laughs> yeah, you probably just are harder on yourself. Yeah, Maybe because sure. of your... Yeah. Got it. Wow. That's amazing that your dad thought to put you in karate and that helped. That it is like interesting that it sounds like your sensei was one of maybe the only people that was like, okay, we don't just have to mark her as other, but mm-hmm. like, let me actually like see, help you see this for yourself too. And like Absolutely. calling you into. No, yeah, it it really made me who I am today. And that, I feel like that part of my childhood is so important because it helped me have the self-confidence and self-discipline for my career now. You know, like then, like if it was painful and it was too hard, like I had to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Like when I was training for my black belt, it was so intense. And then when I had the the two-day-long black belt test, like it was painful and mentally grueling but you like kept going you know and so I kind of feel like that carried on to my adult life and my the work I do now like right. I, maybe that's why I'm so intense with some things or that of, you like, want to give up like oh my god I I'm won't not, give these, up, aren't, these photos aren't gonna be good enough like those starts like thoughts yeah, might but start I keep to come going. up but you're like ah and yeah like I gotta get that black belt or like I get it I gotta be the best <laughs> sensei is I gotta be you know I'm sensei Jen I have to be the best <laughs> you know like it's true though like it's kind of Yeah. Wow. Okay. So your dad gave you a camera, like a nice, nice Nikon film. It was pre-digital. It was like in the nineties. And, um, I just started taking photos. Did you go to college? What did you do after high school? I ended, yeah. After high school is kind of blurry. I got into some heavy drugs and booze and, um, did a lot of things, lived out of my car for a hot second, bounced around in different apartments. Um, yeah, I was really, I turned into a pretty heavy drug addict. And then after that, 
Do you uh, remember at that time, is that like you graduate high school, were you signed up for college or you just graduated high school no. and you're like, could that's done? And no, like, I, I graduated high school and my dad really wanted me to join the army because he oh. didn't really think I had, I had it in me for college or you anything else. He's like, like go to the army. And I was supposed to join the army with this friend of mine as like the buddy system. And I was like, no. Like, I can't do that. And so she ended up going to the army. I ended up smoking a lot of pot at that time. I'm like, now I can't join the army. You know, I'm not, you know. And she ended up going. And then 9-11 happened. And she, I mean, she has such PT. I'm, it, the universe does things for us that we can't do for ourselves. And I wasn't meant to be in that situation. Um, but I ended up getting heavily. I ended up coming out that I was gay. Oh, which right. is a big part of my story. I ended up coming out that I was gay. I love you, Trisha. It's, you're like, that's right, you're gay. <laughs> I, I seriously just was like, right, that's a thing. That's that, a like, thing. That, that, that yeah. affects people. That does <laughs> But I just know you as so strongly. <laughs> as generous. Gay. Generous. Who I love. <laughs> and it was probably... <laughs> I forgot that you I were. I forgot gay generosity seems gay. <laughs> Fuck, man. The, I'm sitting in your you. home with your wife's dog. <laughs> and, like, and, like, with your rainbow flag <laughs> and your gay marriage. Right. And I forgot okay, you were so gay. Okay, so that was a thing you may have been struggling with. I struggled with, with that. And uh, what happened was I came out that I was gay when I was 17. It was right after high school, the summer I graduated from high school, and it didn't go well with you my came out, dad. Meaning, like coming like, out to your family. Came out, yeah. I came out to like my sister, my mom, my dad, and at the time I was living with my dad and my sister, and I came out and um, your sister. Oh, you're living with your dad and your sister. Yeah, like we were all. It sounded like your sister and you came out at the same time. Oh no, dad. my sister and I was like, married. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I think that that's very, very not straight. True. Yeah, no. Um, no, my sister is not gay. Let me just put that on the record. Um, you were living with your dad and your sister, and you came out to them. To them that, that I was gay. that I was the the gay, and it didn't go really well. You know, it was a different time. You know, it was late nineties. Yeah. Ellen just had her coming out thing. Like it wasn't the best time. There's yeah. a lot going on, and. Um, I probably didn't come out the right way, if there is a right way. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the best that I could. My dad did the best that he could. And we ended up going our separate ways for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was really um, devastating. I was really, really devastated by that. I felt like low, like no self-worth, like getting rejected. Yeah, because it also sounded like already yeah. your dad was your champion. In he was. Ways. Well, that's exactly what it was that about. He's the one that put you in the karate. He's the one that gave you that He was camera. my dude. He saw things for you and then and that then had work to be out. so heartbreaking. It was, it was like one of my first heartbreaks for yeah. sure. And it didn't work out. He did the best he could. I did the best I could. But we went our separate ways um, for a while. And... So that's kind of when I, it's not as well, but that's kind of when I dove deep into drugs. Like I wanted to no longer exist. And so I um, got heavy, heavily into drugs and alcohol and um, things. And I then ended up getting sober at 22. And um, Do you remember what, what, how did you, what was the like getting you to sober? I, um... Like, did you have? Well, some I, deep was, lows? I was. I was. Well, you I had some- several lows. I was a crystal meth addict and cocaine and pills and booze, and I had many bottoms. 
And um, this, it was a Valentine's Day, 2004. And it was just one of those blackout, drunk, did things I wasn't proud of doing and ended up um, coming to on like Melrose and Fairfax and um, somehow getting home. And luckily, and having, you know, probably can't say these things on this podcast, but I had you some really messed up like say. evening of like, you know, like trying to give a gay man a blowjob for more drugs. And he was like, nah, Jen, just go over there. <laughs> you were judge. trying to do whatever you could just Anything to get more I drugs. possibly could. And that was basically my life for a couple of years. I was trying to be a photographer still. I was still like going to clubs around Hollywood, um, making, you know, cheap cards at Kinko's and going into these cool clubs like Club Lingerie and Whiskey and the Viper Room and going in and taking photos and becoming buddies with like the door people. I mean, you know, the music scene. So and you were always still, pretty much like trying to be a photographer in like music was one of the places you even yeah, started. Was, so I you wanted, would hang out at clubs, yeah. taking photos. I always wanted my dream is to like shoot as a little girl shooting the cover for Rolling Stone magazine. Right. I remember as a little kid, it was like, I want to shoot the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Like that was Got it. it. I still so haven't done that, but like I've been in Rolling Stone. But so in those that times that you were in the drug, you were still like, I'm still passionate. But, and you were like, yeah. So like, you're like hanging out in the clubs, mm. taking photos and then also like on drugs. It probably like lended itself. Absolutely. To it itself Absolutely. as well. It at that time, too. Lots yeah. of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yes. Early 2000s. Like, it was yeah. a, a real thing. And I met some really cool people, like Beth Hart. I don't know if you know yeah. who she is. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. And at the time, she was sober. And somebody said to her, like, hey, that girl, Jen, that takes photos here, like, she's she's struggling with drugs, man. And I remember her, her husband, Scotty, like, pulled me backstage and was like, Beth wants to talk to you. I'm like, Beth Hart wants to talk to me because I didn't know we weren't like very close yet. And yeah. She pulled me in and she like grabbed me. She's like, you asshole, you're 20 years old. What are you doing? You know, and she took me to my first AA meeting the next day. Um, I didn't get sober then, but then it was like, people care. Got it. People care about me. Yeah. And then I ended up at 22 having an OD and um, having – at the time, some good friends who cared enough to do an intervention. And then I ended up going to treatment for about a year after that. So, oh, do, oh you overdose on drugs. Does that mean you land in the hospital? No, I didn't land in the okay. hospital. I just had a pretty bad okay. night. And then they had an intervention mm. and sent you, said, sent me to treatment for about a year. So you're like at a treatment center for mm. a year. Is that inpatient and outpatient? It was inpatient for about seven, six to seven months. Wow. And then outpatient for a couple months. Like, I just did everything. I ended up, like my uncle helped out paying for it a bit, but then I was able to donate all of my photographs that I had up in galleries and restaurants in Hollywood to the treatment center. Um, it's called Impact in Pasadena. It's an amazing place. I was able to take all of my prints and donate it to Impact, and then they put them up on their walls, and that paid for the rest of my treatment. Wow. Yeah, they're really cool. It was a really cool experience. Anything else you want to say about, about treatment that? besides being a really cool experience? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I'm sure oh, it was right. a lot of well, hard. Meaning, meaning, <laughs> no, meaning that, that, amazing, that like was that. really great. No, yeah, no, for that me, they did that. During that time, I mean, I 
was able to heal stuff with my dad. Yeah. And my mom and my sister. And was that you yourself or did they like come in and they were be able to no, heal? No, my, my dad lived out out of the state at the time and he would come fly in for all the visitations and Great. really do the work with me. And yeah, no, during that time, it was a lot of healing. I had to like really look inward and do the work. And yeah. I really, like I was only supposed to be there for 30 days. Yeah. And I was counting down the days because I thought I was missing so much in the world. Like I'm missing this show. My friend's playing a show. I'm missing that. Like I should You're be like, there. Okay, I'll do my 30 days. And, and then, then get I'm, out. Yeah. And then I could still drink. I could still whatever. And it took me that long to just settle in and be okay with where I was and then I was able to kind of like let go and do the work what then at that like when the as the 30 days got closer and you did you start to shift like maybe I do need to be in here longer for sure is that what happened or was there something that was like oh it's 30 days and then you just started to be like oh this work is helping like what am I no I mean I was told you need to stay longer because you're not doing you're counting you're literally counting down the days and and so for me, like, I had to, like, just strip everything of who I thought I was. Okay, so they were like, yeah, no, you're not ready. They were like, you're not ready, and um, we, you need to stay a little bit longer. And I, I agreed, and they worked out a really cool situation for me to stay longer. And it was the best decision I ever made in my life to just – because the thing is, like, it's like a blink of, the, of your whole life. Like, I thought if I was stopping my life. I'm missing so much. I'm missing the world. I'm missing whatever. Man, like six to nine months. I mean, I'm 30. I just turned 38 this last weekend. Six to seven months of like that whole picture is not of 38 years. Yeah. Like, what a gift. I've been starting to say like, it always used to be like, life is short. Live your life. Do this. But I'm also now like, life is short, but it's also life is long. It's like, it's okay. Like, because even like me, like slowing down with like having kids, where it's like, I put a lot of my dreams and passions aside on purpose because Mm. I wanted to be there for those early years. And even now I can sort of be like, oh my gosh, why am I just now doing this? And like, oh, right. Because life is long and I saw that and I wanted to have these times as a kid. Like, there's still time for me. Yeah. There's still time for me to do all of those things and like to not get stuck in the like, life is hard. We got to be out there. All the time. I mean, everybody gets stuck and like, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth There's no, people say FOMO, fear missing out. Like, it's not real, man. Like, I don't know. Stop it. Stop. Knock it off. You know, like it, life is really like here and now and we get to experience these moments and these things, however, however they look. Yes. So yeah, what man. happens when you get out? What happens when I like got out? That's like a whole new, who, yeah, well, what am I now? It was kind of rat, like it was really scary and I didn't know what to do. I knew I didn't want to go back to the job I had, which was at this like camera shop in the valley um, I knew I couldn't go back. I didn't want to go back in my like in my old way of living yeah. and thinking in life. So I did everything that these people suggested me to do. I like it was in Pasadena. I stayed in Pasadena. I got a sober roommate. I did the aftercare, which meant like go and I drug test. I went to meetings almost every day, if not twice a day. Wow. And then there was this, re- and I still. St- I still took photos. I was yeah. still taking photos. And this friend of mine at the time, uh, Garrison Starr, was going on the road with this other musician, Melissa Farrick. And she was like, Jen, do you want to go on the road with me? I just left treatment. She's like, do you want to go on the road with me and like tour manage and take photos? 
I was like, fuck yeah. I was so terrified, but I was such in this sober recovery bubble for a year that I was so ready to pop it and like start living my life. And that's, and I said, yes. And then I ended up going and that just kind of opened my eyes, my sober eyes up to like the possibilities of what I can do in this life. And that you could do it sober. Sober. And that had to be too like, I'm going on tour. It was scary. Uh, and I'm sober. Yeah. Wait, and it was like four that? months. Yeah. You know, you know how it is. Like it you just assume like, because even if you don't know that person and they, was she sober? No. So well, she was cool with me. She knew. Right. But I'm just saying like yourself, like yeah. I would assume anybody thinks music, industry, concerts, touring, it was drinking, scary. partying. So like meaning like, am I going to And I used to drink with these people. And now sober. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, somebody tried to scare me into not going back into photography with if you start oh. doing photo and music again you're gonna start drinking and you'll using be drugs and you'll that. be dead you know like it was right. I'm like no nah, man like I'm gonna I need to do this I need to do this I'm like really it's actually probably even like it felt probably it feels probably even more validating to be the sober photographer the whole time yeah like I would assume then you're like really catching stuff no I mean <laughs> right? you know we've been on tour together <laughs> we've seen things we've done things together watch out for the sober photographer <laughs> No, she's a, she's awake the whole time, guys. Be careful. Never turns off. <laughs> she never turns it off. She is there and awake. Um, no, that's that's me. No, the the cool thing is about all that was after I came back, I had this whole body of work, and I had a body of work anyways. But there is this woman that I friended through this whole recovery journey, and she was a producer, music producer, and she. Um, was like, you know, Jen, your work is pretty good, man. Like, have you thought about putting together a portfolio? And I was like... Um, it's better this way, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, have you um, thought about putting together a, a portfolio? I'm like, what's a portfolio? Like, what's that? Right, you didn't even like... I didn't know. know the proper I didn't know photography anything. lingo. Nothing. And just, you wanted to do it. So I went were to, doing it. I was just doing it. So I went to Sammy's camera and I was like, and it was all film at the time. And I'm like, and so it was like all these like marking the boxes, the frames on the film negatives. I'm like, this is what I want in this size. And I didn't know what, what I was doing. And I get all these prints back. And this woman, her name was Meredith. And she spent a lot of time with me. And um, I remember in this apartment I had, we just spread all of my prints on the floor. They're like eight by tens. And she helped me put together a book so I can show and she she was helping me because she was like you know there's a school here in Pasadena that I think you should really go into it was art center college of design and like I had no knowledge of the school and I had no I didn't know that I would want to even go to school I didn't ever think because I was supposed to join the army I was right. dumb. I was right. not smart. I was not academic. Nobody really even talked to you Nobody at college. You never thought about ever college. Never go to college. School. Never. Or even like, oh, there is school for this thing that I want to yeah, do? Nobody ever wow. thought that I would even cheer me on to wow. better myself in this way. And so I put this book together, made an appointment, went to Art Center, and I said, I want to come to your school. Here's my work. And I sat down with the dude and the guy opened the book and he was like, you know, I don't know if this is good enough. I don't know if you're good enough to come here. I'm like, no, like I want to come. He's like, well, it costs a hundred bucks to submit 
do you want to save your money and try the next round in six months? And at this time in my life, I just got out of treatment. I didn't know what I was doing. I just got off the road. I knew, like, this was it for me. Like, I had to make it. This is the fork in the road. Like, I need to figure this out now. And I said, no, here's the money. I want to come to the school. Like, Which I'm submit sure 100 me. bucks was not, like, a light thing at that point. At that time, no, I was 22, right. 23. So as like, I'm saying, like, it wasn't like, you're like, no, this is real. This is, I'm giving I'm you a hundred bucks. Yeah, like I'm it. fucking in. This like, is it. And then he's like, well, we'll see what happens. We'll let you know. And a couple weeks went by and didn't hear anything. I was like, oh, man. And then I got this huge package in the mail saying, like, congratulations. And I remember opening this huge package. I'm like, it's a big package from Art Center. What does that mean? And I remember opening it up and, like, and it's saying, you know, congratulations, Jen Rosenstein. You, you've been accepted to the photo and film department. And I just remember crying because it was the first time in my life ever that somebody was like, you are enough. You are good enough. Come. Do this. We be want the you. We want you. You we want. want. You, here. you want. You want. Like, come yeah. in. I would cry and I took it to all my new, clean, sober friends. I'm like, guys, look. And they're like, go, Jet. You know, everybody yeah. was really pumped and excited. And then, and then I got in and then I figured out the money situation to get in and loans and grants and scholarships. And I figured it out. And I was being an adult and I figured it out. And I got in and that started my journey of doing what I do now in the very serious way of learning, learning photography, learn, like actually learning the business, just learning and having that platform to be able to create. And even if I fuck up, but like, keep going, just keep going. So yeah. So yeah, I went to school. This episode is brought to you by Encircled. They are a sustainable clothing line that is on a mission to help you do more with less clothing in your closet by designing clothes that are equally parts comfortable and stylish. They have multi-wear products. Everything is sleek, is comfortable, making it easy for you to travel, to pack, and to wear at home. Use code CLAIMITPODCAST to get $20 off your order of $100 more at encircled.co. And how long of the school school was that? Was it? It was like I got my BFA, so but like it was three years. It was three, a four year wow. in a three year time frame, and I had to take like six months off at some point because I had like this medical emergency of like a ten pound tumor in my stomach. It was a whole thing. They're like, "You have cancer." I'm like, "No, I don't." Oh and they God. took it out. But you know what I mean? Like it was like all these adventures on the way to yeah getting where I'm going in life. Um, but I went to the school and like I, I learned so many important things like of staying true to myself right. and my vision. Were they like driving that home? They're driving that. School? But That's... I was at the time, you know, I, I, I have this whole body of work on the transgender transgender yes. community. And it's called Transformational we will Project. Link it in the show notes. Cool. Um Transformational project. And I started that series at the school. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. And I was told by somebody there 
Because that was way before. Now that's like, right. That was 12 years ago I started that project? Now I feel like that's like more like, oh, wow, okay, transgender. But back then, like, what are you doing? Well, that's that's what I got. I'm sure now it's still even what are you doing. But back then it's legit. Uh, Like, what are you uh, doing? uh, uh, You do uh, not want to be associated (laughs) with this. And that's what I heard. And that's what I was told. I was told you don't want to um, be the – you don't want to get pigeonholed into doing this work because that's what you're going to be known for. What what would you describe what the photos are, what the mission of that was to like give transgender people a voice, that you're a platform, these amazing photos of them in there. Yeah. I started the project. I knew this trans guy named Muir and I had no idea. I didn't even know what transgender was right. or what it looked like or what it meant. I mean, this was like 2000. Yeah. Six. I don't. I mean, in the big picture, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a long yeah. time ago for that for the community. And I had no idea. And I was asking him, like, "What does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Trans? Like, what is your what pronoun is on your driver's license?" And I'll never forget this. He said to me, "We were at Swingers in Santa Monica. Rest in peace." Swingers in Santa Monica. They closed down. Oh. Did you know that? You're no. like, I don't care, Jen. So I, <laughs> I don't really, but I didn't. But I every time I come to LA, I'm like, is that place still open? What's well, no, there's I a lot know. of new stuff. What was there? So many new things. It's it's crazy. We went to we were at Swingers and I asked him what his driver's license. And I was I asked him in a very, very innocent yeah. kind of way. Cause I didn't yeah, like, know. Like I was yeah. really just trying to educate myself. And he said, um, Jen, asking a trans person what their pronoun is on their license, driver's license, is like asking what my genitalia looks like. Huh. And I was like, whoa. I'm so, like, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. And that's what it was then. I, I don't know if it's that. But that is, I mean, I think that is one of the things that that can be such a hard topic is, is because the people that don't know do want to, some people don't want to understand it at all, for sure. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, then it is like, oh, an understanding because the understanding not to like dissect it or that or like to like look at their genitalia. But yeah, but it's a half thing to think then. How can I show up and say I support you or mm-hmm. I'm here for you when I see you without feeling like you're like poking at them or imposing, right? Yeah. Because it's like the same thing I think I probably would have, you know – yeah, like asked a similar, like non-imposing question that just seems like, oh, okay. Because you're like, oh, I've you never, I don't know about this. I w- Educate me and not like, yeah. But then it's also like, that's something very personal. They've had to walk their whole life through. And so like what to share and how it makes, how what those questions make them feel like. Exactly. And I was lucky enough and I'm very grateful for as this guy, he was so open about it. And with me, that he let me ask him these questions, knowing I was coming from a very respectful yeah. place, not a mean, homophobic, transphobic um, space. And he let me come to his home with my camera and let me document him injecting himself with tea, the hormone. Oh. And um, just let me start documenting him. And then, I, and then that's where the series came to be, is I started taking his portrait and then his his friend, his roommate at the time, Jake, who's also this trans guy, let me take his portrait in their home. And then that turned into a lot of West Hollywood's trans community coming over to their house every other weekend to let me take 
portraits of them in their space. And that's how the, the project began and became this very personal series. And for them, did they talk to you about like, if so many people kept showing up for it, I'm guessing that it was making them feel a certain way to be a part of it or to be... There was a lot of empowerment it's... happening. Yeah. So um, the basis of this whole series, how it started was I made it clear, like, this is a platform for you. This isn't about me. This is for you to let you be you, to let you show me and the world who you want to be. This is about you. And then so it became like this this dialogue of like, it was so therapeutic for them and myself of like their story, where they're at, what's important to them, why they are who they are and their journey. And it was a really intense series. I mean, I've been doing this project for 12 years and I've shot all over the country and it's been, you know, on the news, it's been on Huffington Post, it's been, it's been everywhere. And I've self-published a book about it and I'm not done like, yeah. I, I just shot it this last year. Like, I shoot it almost every year because um, it's so – it's not even about me. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about – I mean, the the youngest trans person I photographed was the six-year-old little girl from South Pasadena. And I photographed her her first year as this trans girl. And she came back the year later excited and, like, hugging me. And then the year later – and then I photographed – trans people in their 70s and 80s who just recently transitioned and like wow. hearing their stories. I've, tra I've photographed trans women who were pilots in the Air Force or pilots for like big airlines who no longer work there because they're trans. Like wow. I've, I photographed somebody in New York who's now has passed away from drug addiction and like she was telling me what it's like in the jail system of being a trans person in New York City and how the horrific stories about that. So I've heard like so from the gamut, like it runs the gamut of, of the series. And yeah. so there's almost 400 portraits in the series now, and I'm trying to make it into a documentary. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, these stories sounds like amazing and that you got to hear them, but uh, yeah, to give them even more. They need to be heard. Yeah. Like, I'm like, silly. I want to hear all these stories. It's beautiful. I mean, the stories, I mean, it's so amazing. Yeah. It's such a, it's so touching and I've been lucky enough to have my wife involved in this. So she comes with me and she greets the people and like we get to photograph and she hears the stories. And so we both look forward to these shoots all yeah. the time because it's so interesting of the people we get to meet and we, we never know who's going to walk in next. Well, I'm championing you making that into a documentary because again, like I was saying, it's such a thing that if you don't know exactly, it can be, I make up for people, especially that even may judge that or not, that it's like, if you don't know anything, but if you're hearing people's very personal stories about it, it can help crack open that judgment to have the understanding and compassion for people mm -hmm. that are not like you. you Absolutely. Know? That's what so, I, I mean, I need to do this project just to understand for myself. Yeah. It's interesting too, one more thing about that is when I first started shooting this project, I was probably... 24, 25. And I was being asked if I was transgender. Because you were like taking all the photos? Because I was like maybe butch, oh. as they would say, a more masculine looking lesbian that I was. And it, since it was such a new thing, mainstream back then, it wasn't even mainstream right. yet. I had a, a girlfriend at the time. She was like, why don't you just 
you're trans. I'm like, I'm, I'm not. And so this project for me too, at that time was self-discovery of like me doing my research On, of like, who where, I am, where you fall, where I that. fall in the community and right. what is who I can accept for who I am. And I realized like, I'm me. I'm a, I'm comfortable with being a woman. I enjoy who my, I enjoy my body. I enjoy who I am and I'm not a trans person. Right. I'm just a queer yeah. LGBTQ human being. Not more than that, I'm just a person. Right. But I I had to learn that right. for myself. Because you're like, okay, I know I'm not straight by this term. Mm-hmm. So I shift into the mm-hmm. this category somewhere. And it's like, okay, this it starts with gay or lesbian yeah. or queer, right? Yeah, but yeah. like what like allowing yourself to explore absolutely all of it. And so that was a great life learning lesson for me of exploring what that meant. And it was great. And I learned and I was able to appreciate who I was and am more today. I love that. And now we're going to get back to photos. Photos. Yep. <laughs> but I really I love that we talked about that. Okay. So you graduate from the school. Yeah. I graduated. Then, then what? And then the recession hit in 2008. Okay. That's when I graduated. And there was no work for anybody. People are pulling back their budget. Nobody was paying a photographer anything. And so I had to get a job at a rehab in Malibu for a few months. And, you know, I was buying produce at the 99 cent store. Like I had no money. I had no money. And then this thing happened. I went to New York. I was gifted a trip to New York. Somebody believed in me. And I met with Rolling Stone. I met with all these people with this body work that I had. And I realized it was my first trip to New York. It was like 2009 or something. And I realized, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm meant to be doing. I'm not meant to, like, work a job just to pay my bills. I mean, that's we need to do that, too. But, like... You knew that was in you. You have a clear passion yeah. and desire mm-hmm. purpose yeah and so i got this really cool gig um falling around like this pretty well-known family on their private jet for like two months as the photographer as their photographer. own personal photographer through the holidays it was like from like, like they just wanted document to, them. like for our family photo album yeah like basically they're like you're a rock star a photographer like photograph us and that I was able to quit that job, that treatment job, and I got paid, like, I think it was like $1,000 a day wow. for my first cake. <laughs> I was gone for like a month or so. And like... To go on vacation with the family. Just, I mean, it was work. Yeah, I'm sure. Me. And I'm sure that that was like high pressure working many it ways because they're like something else. high expectations and probably not very great at describing it exactly. It was some, that's all else. I won't, I'm not even saying <laughs> yeah. names. It was something else. You yeah. know what I mean? But that's I'm like, it could sound like it was Lush like, yes, I that? am on a luxury trip, but also. Like, yeah. yeah. So that kind of like started that, like got me going. Yeah, that, that job got like me people going. People will pay me to take people photos. People believe in my work, and they'll let me travel in their private jet. And I remember going in the private jet for the first time and picking up their phone, like ooh, and like trying to call people. And I'm like, I'm on a private jet, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, this is like pre. I think this is just when like the cool BlackBerry was coming out, or like the Palm Pilot. Right. Like it, it was wasn't. Like, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like 
I felt like I'm posting on Instagram. Look at me. I'm on a private right. jet. It was like, I'm on a private jet, you right. know? <laughs> um, so that was a really great experience and that got me going and that got me like feel confident. And then shortly after that is when the BP oil spill happened. And oh, then wow. I met Jason. But even before then, I, I ended up going to New York and I met with an agent and they were like, there's somebody that you should work with. We believe in you. And I didn't have anybody big in my portfolio, like nobody. I remember like at the time I was really close with Amber Valletta and she let me take photos of her and that was in my book. And then um, Jack Nicholson's daughter, Jennifer, hired me to shoot her and her kids. And so I had these like little nippets in there just from the community. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, she could could do something. And I... um, Got this agent and I was able to, like, I shot some stuff from Maroon 5 and, like, things like that. And that's when I met Jason. And um, at that time, the body of work, just as I did with the transgender community, I was doing this this other body of work of the surf industry behind the scenes of uh, San Clemente and the surfboarders and, like, shapers and, like, whatever. So I was starting to learn how to tell stories of these communities. And I wanted to tell the story about the community of what was happening in Grand Isle, Louisiana. And that's why I was in Louisiana during the um, BP oil spill. And that's how I met Jason. And so then that's then starts, like, again, we saw talked to at the beginning, it's that a lot of you putting yourself out there that you have had these people okay this agent and like people giving you jobs along the way and that still happens but that you still there's still like you saying hey well there's one more thing i, I kind of okay. forgot is it okay if i add like this yes, really important please, piece please add um, anything you want so while i was at art center um we had this magazine photo editor come into one of the classes and said like for your guys's assignment the teacher was like, for your this this assignment this week, you're going to work with this photo editor at Orange Coast Magazine, and you're not going to get paid much money just for gas, but your assignment, your homework assignment is what their assignment's going to be, and then you can get published. I think two people out of that whole class actually did the assignment because everybody was like, we're not getting paid, we're not getting paid. But I did the assignment yeah. because I thought it would be a great opportunity, and this is how everything gets put together. Orange Coast Magazine had me do a portrait of this dude, uh, Joey Stan- Stanley, for Green Film Surfboards um, in Orange County in San Clemente. And I went there and I did his portrait. And he loved, he did some research and he saw my trans stuff. He's like, God, oh, your work is so amazing. You could really tell stories and your portrait work. Do you want to do this series with me of like surf shapers and surfboard people and like whatever? And I was like, sure, yes. I would love to do that. That sounds like a great adventure. And so because I said yes to that homework assignment, I shot his portrait, came back. The magazine loved it. They were my first jobs. They gave me a job every month of shooting something new. And I and they made it clear, like, you were the only person who did this assignment for 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, yeah man, I get to shoot. I, yeah. I get to shoot, man. That's cool. Like, give me 50 bucks, whatever. Give me gas to go and there. you're also, like, gaining experience. Mm-hmm. And, like, even if that hadn't landed anywhere, that for me, like, I have done a lot of yes to things that are free or not paying well because I'm like, yeah, because I want – this is something I want to do. You want to do it, man. Like, like say yeah. I want to do sound or I want to be a speaker. I want to be this. I want to like whatever my next journey is. And it's like, if it's something I want to do, then like, sure, my worth might be out here or like that. But I also want to do this. So like, let me 
go do it and Say, have yeah, that experience and have the connection and be like, I also did this. And then it also gives your self-confidence and yeah. like, oh, I can do this. But that, so that, saying yes to that. Saying yes to led that. Led to all. I, I really believe in my gut that if I didn't do that one assignment at Art Center, I would not be where I am today. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I said yes to that. They somehow gave me this dude to shoot him. The dude was like, your work is so cool. I saw your trans stuff. Let's do that with surfboard shapers in the rooms in San Clemente in the ghetto. That's what they call the ghetto over there, like with lost surfboards and Quicksilver. Let's go and like shoot all these surfboard shapers making these cool boards. And I did that. And we have this whole body work and like lost surfboards ended up licensing all these images from me and for t-shirts and merchandise and then that's how I met Jason yeah and then I met because the guy was like hey it's no pay but like do you want to take a photo of Jason Mraz with one of our surfboards and it's no pay but do you want to do it I'm like who's Jason Mraz (laughs) like he was just like in the I'm you know early early on I was like cool yeah that sounds great cool and then that's how everything happened like I, yeah. and that's what I mean. Like my whole, I just got the chills thinking about it. Like my whole career has just been like, yeah, cool. Just say, just say yes. Yeah. I'm down. Like, let's see what happens. Sure. Yeah. You know, people come to me now. They think I'm so expensive. They're like, you've shot all these people, but I, can you do my photos? Yeah. And what do Which I say? I still will and be what like, do I say, uh, Trish? Jen, uh, I see you just had Dave Grohl over and Margaret Chow. And, and what else? do I say to you? Could you see mine? Yes. And I say yes. You say yes. And I'm like, come on. Like, what will work for you? give me a rate that you, that like, because I also do want to pay you because yeah. like that's worthy. But like at the same time, yeah, I don't have that big of a budget. And like, yeah. A lot of people don't. And it means a lot to me. And yeah, and I think you're the coolest. Like, you're the coolest. Na- man. Like seriously, and I know that it is you saying yes, but you all continuously, like I said, putting yourself out there and having to step into every fucking day. Yeah, yeah. What do you tell yourself? I was about to say I'm good at this. <laughs> I like, I take epic photos, and it's not like even, and that's also the point of like an affirmation doesn't have to be an I am whole, I am enough, but like. I take, I'm fucking good photo, photographer. And then that, that makes you be like, okay, I'm going to go send that message or I'm going to go tell Well, that I have person. this tattoo right here that I got when I was in a really bad place a few years ago that says, you got this, JR. Yeah. And that's what I, and it's over my heart in my writing. And JR is the nickname that I was given as a kid. And like, that is what I tell myself every morning. Just like, you got this, Jen, you got this. Just go, get up, shower and go, just go. Even if there's nothing booked, Act as if. Wake up, go work out, move your body, put good nutrients in your soul, in your heart, (laughs) you know, kiss your wife good morning, pet the dog. Act as if. Email. I emailed a couple people this morning before you came over of like, hey, following up, do you want to have that meeting? Hey, do you want to do that shoot? Because I have to continually put myself out there. And that also, a lot of people just forget and they get busy and stuff like that. So like you said, that was just following up that it could have been you had a conversation, you met somebody somewhere. Oh my God, that's you. You took that photo, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to do it. And then they carry on with life and that you bring them back. It could like, that takes a lot, but also like, they could be like, oh yes, 
I would love to have photos taken with like even when I reached out to you, I was like, oh, by the way, I want to have my photos taken like sometime this year. And you're like, okay, I'm available Saturday. I was like, oh fuck, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was like, hey, I want to do photos again with you sometime this year because it had been a couple years or whatever. And you're like, how about Saturday? I was like, oh <laughs> Which reminds me, I have your shirt still in my closet. Yeah, yeah, from yeah, that yeah, shoot, so. <laughs> I thought about it on the drive and then forgot. You're like, I got some shirts over at Jen's. <laughs> yeah, feel free to uh <laughs> take them on the way home yes. <laughs> or keep them here for the next shoot whichever yeah, works next for year, you <laughs> i'll be back for those same shirts um but yeah no but that is how it goes man like that's how it is it's non-stop there's no days off i'm always thinking i'm always wondering i'm always trying to create no i mean i sat down and you're like let me take this photo and then you're across the room and uh, like oh let me take this photo and like you just don't like your mind is photos <laughs> it is all <laughs> the time all the time. It's nonstop. <laughs> it makes me crazy. My uh, my really beautiful, friendly neighbor for my birthday gave me this cool little Polaroid camera that, like, takes photos. And actually, while we're doing this, let's just go over here with me. Can you – are you coming with me, microphone? You guys, see. now she's going to take a photo while – Yeah. <laughs> because – because this is Wait, this is how we do it. Get, let me get ready, Trish. Down. Get ready. My messy, very. Oh, oh this will be you're fun. Perfect. I'm really excited to see what this hair looks like. Even now. the dogs involved now. Wait, let me. Turn I'm gonna it make on. my hair as big as possible, Wait, me, and we'll share this photo. <laughs> Wait, let me. Is it on? Are you on? It doesn't even work. No, just kidding. Oh, there it goes. So my friend for my birthday gave me this really cool little tiny. Did you hear it go beep 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 beep? Yes. All right, let's see. Maybe get the let's see if we can get the dog. I don't know how good this is gonna be, but we'll find out. <laughs> let's see, ready? One, two, three. That's it, guys. But hold so, on. so speaking of that, and the, I don't know how good this is gonna be. What goes through your mind in a photo shoot when you're like, "Holy shit, this person, whoever it is, whether it's me or Kiss or whatever, is like paying me money, like." Are you able to just stay in the moment and not be like doubting? Like, is there going to be anything they like? And like, does that, do those thoughts come up for you still? Hold on, I'm taking a photo of you. You guys ready? One, two, three. Everybody smile. Everybody's, even my dog is in it. Good job, Pegasus. This is amazing. This is great. I mean, come on. But can you please answer my question? <laughs> like the photographer How won't even won't even respond. Um, <laughs> too lost in the moment, of the <laughs> yeah, image. Welcome to my life. That we're here to be talking. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool. It's dark, but it's cool. Um, let's do it again. <laughs> like, we can do it when we're done. When we're done. <laughs> um, here's the thing. With my photo shoots, when, when I'm asked by somebody like Kiss or whoever, Margaret Cho, whoever the hell it is, Wanda Sykes, to like, can you shoot this intro for this Netflix special? I always have a moment of panic. Yeah. Of, fuck me. I, I better do good or my career is over. Like, I better nail this or I am going to work at a retail store you know yeah. like x y and z ad whatever i'm not good enough what are they doing and then quickly and i think this takes brain power and maturity emotional maturity which i've i'm still working on i mean like nobody is perfect at this but i have to use that brain strength of turning those that thinking around being like jen you're good enough 
you got this. Yeah. JR, you got this, JR. Yeah. Like, you got this. You fucking got this. Just show up. Show up, say yes, and be the best person you possibly can be. And that's like, I got this call last night. I was on the phone with his manager. I'm doing, I was telling him I'm doing this shoot later on with the, that band Neon Trees. And she was, she and I were talking about this whole thing. And I'm like, yes, sounds great. Let's do this shoot tomorrow. What I can promise you is that I'll bring my best self. Mm. I actually said, I'm like, I'll bring my best self and do the best job I possibly can do for you guys or whatever you need. And she was like, thank you for saying that. Mm. Thank you. And yeah. I think it's that simple sometimes as human beings yeah. of just knowing like you, you got this. I got you. You got me. I know you're going to bring your best self when you come over to my home with all your cool little microphones and all your cool selves and your little water bottle and all your cool little keychains. And you know, when you come over, I'm going to bring my best self because that's how this works for me anyways. Yeah. And that's what I say to my subjects. What I said to fucking Gene Simmons is like, hey, man, if you bring your best self, I'll bring my my best self and let's mm. do this. I like Did you, you already. Did you legit say that mm-hmm. to him? Love it. And But that's what I do. Yeah. I've said that to Jason when he comes over to his shop. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man, just bring you and I'll bring me. All right, Gene. You yeah. know, like it's just so simple that way. It has mm-hmm. to be simple that way. Or and then what? Because yeah. ego, the ego gets evolved right. and it's dumb. And that's what I was asking because I'm sure like, I think that photos can be a like, you know, subjective thing that even if you've taken the most amazing photos at someone, that someone could then get stuck in their head of like their own self-hatred themselves of not being enough that like, you know, like that there can be, you've given them the most photos and that's still like, oh, but that's not the image I had in my mind and it has nothing to do with you and the photos you took because either maybe they didn't you know, relay, oh, I wanted it to be like this, or, oh my God, I wore the wrong shirt, or or they're judging themselves harshly. Have you ever had anything like that mm. where someone comes back to you where they're like disappointed, but it's not even about your photos? Um, what I like to do in a photo shoot is, especially if it's somebody that's coming to me, say it's not Kiss or Gabriel. Right. Like if it's somebody a like you person. or if it's somebody who's just trying to build their business. Because I do that work too. I don't mind yeah. doing it. I don't mind like being of service. I feel like I'm being of service. Like I, yeah. I love doing that kind of work. I explain to them the process and I shoot to a computer. So when they I'm see they could see. Yeah. And I just did a cover shoot a couple of days ago for Alice Cooper's guitarist Nita Strauss and she's this badass woman and it's the first time like one of the first times a woman's been on the cover of this magazine and she came over and she was really she knew herself but she was really um she hasn't she hadn't had a really great experience with other photo shoots right and so I explained to her everything and I started taking photos and I said hey why don't you look at what we're doing and tell me what you think. And it wasn't like, oh, these suck. It wasn't anything like that. It was more of like, I need to do this, right? I thank you right. so much for letting me see this. Like, I feel more empowered. Like, right. it's, it's it's meant to be, I really try with my, my clients for them to feel empowered of who they are yeah. and what they want to convey. I'm not in the business of like, let me just take photos and like, just wait. No, I then remember I'll you doing you. that with me and that that was helpful too. Because then I was like, Oh, wait, that shirt, because I was like, brought all these shirts, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to do this one shirt. These other ones don't feel right. Or that it was even like, I felt like when we started taking photos, it could have been a while I was trying too hard. Like, I'm taking photos. And I'm like, wait, I want to be, 
expressing these type mm-hmm. of things and not like let me sit here and have my photo like you know that it yeah. did like help me to look at that like that doesn't feel like me mm-hmm. you know and so what wasn't and it wasn't you that was taking the photos it was me and being in my head or something like that that allowed sure. me to be like oh right why am I even here to have these photos what am I wanting people to get from that so then I have to be the one that's like allowing that to come through and you have to show up for yourself yeah and exactly. you have to show up for me and that, to be that's, that. that's what I was saying, that it allowed me to see that. Like, that's not coming through and that's not because of Jam, that I was like, because I could see I was in my head or like, mm-hmm. great. So I got to be here and say that. And that's, do that for, for the photo. Yeah, yeah. No, that's kind of like what has to happen. And so, no, I mean, if if I rarely, and I'm not saying that because I'm like the most amazing, you know, whatever, but I rarely afterwards get somebody that says like, God, that sucked. Can yeah. I? It's usually like, thank you. Yeah. Like, that was a great experience and I got what I wanted and... I just think it's the way it's approached. Yeah. Like if I if I approach my client as if I would approach somebody who I really care about, like it usually turns out okay. Because yeah. I do care. Yeah, you do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. I'm going to get to the questions I ask. Everybody, what is, what is a go-to to raise your joy levels? Meaning like maybe you are in your head about a shoot or something or just you don't have – you woke up and you didn't have anything on your calendar today and maybe you're feeling something like what do you do to raise your joy levels? I guess you already said like take a shower and get to the gym. Like, you know what I – actually what I do, it sounds so like blah, but it's, it's what I do. I um, usually light sage. Yeah. And I look in a mirror. Oh. And I look at myself and I just like kind of sage myself, like usually in my chest. Yeah. Is that like a, is, what's the right joyologist you know, terminology for that? I chest, don't know. chakra, love, heart, brain, heart chakra, whatever, maybe. Yeah. I used to actually know these things. I'm less. Less now these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that is your heart chakra. Is that like heart, maybe? heart and so however cool. that's connected. And I would just, I look in the mirror and just like, like, let's do this. You know, and that's really what I do. Wow. If if Sarah, my wife, is here, I'll do that with her too. And she's like, "Oh, here we go," because you know, it could be silly, it could be yeah. funny. You that's know? what I love but, of like all the people that I've asked is that like the least person you would probably expect <laughs> I to know. say something like that, which is great, though. Yeah, you know, I know that's what I do. It's like that's my all? meditation of like, "You got this," I love and it's that. like inviting the universe in to like help me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, I have. I have this thing I say, what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you, Mm. which is like, duh. But so often we choose what's easiest and not push ourselves into like what is best. And so can you think of a way to apply that to your own life right now? What is easiest for me is to blank. What is best is for me. Oh, man, I use that for anything. It's just like a multiple choice. Kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there like an A, B, C, or, or E? Let me give you some options. All. <laughs> give me some options. Um, what's easiest for me, but, and then what's, what's hard for me is. What is easiest for me, and not necessarily what's hard, but like what is best. So it can easily be like uh, what's easiest, for, you know, like what's easiest for me is to sit around thinking about how nobody wants to hire me. What is best is oh, to like yeah. email people yeah, or whatever. Yeah, cool. What's easiest for me is to sleep in. What's best for me is to get up in my body. I'm like. Yeah, what's easiest for me is to just. What I always want to do, which is lay in bed and watch Law and Order Special Victims Unit and Grey's Anatomy, and This Is Us, 
a 911. All right. Do you want me to keep going? We're gonna, we, we got the picture. <laughs> you know what I mean? And some like, shows to check out. <laughs> and some, it's a really great season. Um, that's what I would love to be doing and make myself yummy food and chill out in my home. What's best for me is to take action. So what's best for me is to like get up, get push my own self out of the way. If it's going to an AA meeting, if it's taking a walk around the reservoir, which you love, you used to love I doing I did that too. before we came here because you moved. <laughs> moved my time. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, reservoir, um, what's best for me is to take action in my life, yeah. which could be emailing people, which could be reaching out to a friend I haven't spoken to in a while. And that could be uncomfortable to reach out to, but be like, hey, I feel like the phones these days weigh like 500 pounds to pick up and call people now. <laughs> totally. It's even getting harder to text people because it's social media is so right. crazy that now I don't even – like why do I have to text you and say hi? I already know what you're doing, <sighs> you know? But really we do. We do. Want that connection. We do want that connection. Yeah. We have we have to have it. It's part of us. So, yeah, I mean that's what, what I think is best for myself and what I think is easy is very – and sometimes I don't even know what's best for myself. Because that's the same thing as like, what's the, but I don't know, man, like what's best for myself is me not listening to myself. I mean, just <laughs> fucking going, <laughs> like waking up early and living my life, yeah. getting out of my home. And I think like, of course, yeah, some like, cool that you watch TV and want to eat nourishing food. Like that's, that's not saying like, yeah. it's not okay oh, to like yeah. Yeah, take yeah. that. But like, yeah, when we sometimes can get stuck in I like, get overwhelmed. Yeah. I get overwhelmed and I want to shut so down. So those times when you know, like you're purposely doing this to avoid what like, yeah, you know, that. But, like sometimes, yeah, we need to chill the fuck out and watch a bunch of shows. And I want to <laughs> chill out all the time. I, I honestly like, it's something I realized about myself, the older I'm getting to, which, you know, I'm so old, but like the older I'm getting, and the more work that I do is I want to be left alone. And being left alone sometimes makes me feel really lonely. And then I think, why doesn't anybody want me around? It's like, it's a, like, it's spin like a spin cycle. cycle. <laughs> it's the spin I cycle. I get it. And so that's why I have to I move myself. And I'll has, be like, why didn't that person invite me to that thing that's two hours away? They love me and I love them. Would I have said yes? No. But why didn't they invite yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. No, no I'll like catch myself I'm like, oh, right. They didn't invite me because they knew there's no way in hell that you were going to drive go. on a Tuesday to go. <laughs> and that's real, man. Like that is like a real <laughs> thing. And that's also the world we live in now. Because we of can social. see, <gasps> but everybody else was there. Everyone was no, there. So, yeah, we're Why didn't the they phone, invite yeah, me? Then I'll be like, wait, but I actually didn't want to be there. Yeah, you don't want to go. Like, Why isn't that person that texts me to hang out with them? Well, I'm also not texting them to hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't actually, I'd rather spend time alone. They probably do too. Like, yeah. We whatever. don't want to actually hang, but we'll say we do. <laughs> Trisha, uh, I want to hang out with you all the time. <laughs> uh, I just mean like, I sometimes put weight on like, well, that person doesn't even like me, do they? But then I'm like, I'm not the one that's ta- calling to invite them anywhere either. Like I love them, but there's also different friendships and different mm-hmm. things. And that as we get older, there's like less space. And so, you know, that we can well, make in- that meaning. It's interesting. I was thinking about this. Like you, you weren't at my wedding. But it wasn't because I didn't think about you or it's not because you don't love me or I don't love you. Life just fucking happens. And sometimes things slip out of our minds because there's 10,000 other things happening in the world. And But that doesn't mean like we don't love each other. Yeah, I've never thought anything about me. 
you're but not being invited you're like to Jen because I didn't actually want to I was go. like oh was this a thing are you, do you oh, feel no, bad no, no. about not inviting me no <laughs> <laughs> no but that's life though like it is yeah. just I think we could make stop, that Jen didn't invite me so I'm never gonna use How her to have a photo again not? or something no, like that but it's not people. about that it's not I think we're mature enough to know that that like life is what we're talking about like life happens life is what's life is long we, and life is short life is long life is short and we get to do the best that we possibly can do and we get to choose what we're gonna make a big deal about <laughs> i know i know and that's exhausting <laughs> <laughs> okay you had a caging of mine before i had so fucking grateful it's but i would favorite. like you to choose perhaps the same one but in this moment today which phrase do you feel you most want to be reminded of and why the one that resonated with me, and actually, when you first put them down, I had little like tears in my eyes. Oh. I know I'm so sen- you're learning all this sensitivity <laughs> about me. Is that I am enough, um, and I'm sure everybody picks that one. They don't, but it is a popular one. Um, was I am enough because I feel like um, that's something that comes up from what we've yeah, been discussing. Yeah, it came up several times. Is that just not enough? And that was like, I am enough. Yeah. I absolutely... I mean, look, so Trisha, I already know I'm magic. I already know I already know I'm here right now. I already know I'm a badass. No, I'm the same way. I had another <laughs> guest that was like, he, he felt like he could get I am enough, but I'm a badass it was a stretch. And I was like, that's so funny because to me, I'm like, I'm totally a badass, but I still struggle with I'm enough. Which is funny how the word play is different for different people. It is. It's yeah. totally I was like, well, of course we're badass. But I'm I'm enough. Sorry enough for you, <laughs> you know, and it's so true. Um, you know, we we Sarah, my wife, drinks out of your mug, the the black one that, that the has shoulds, like the fuck the, the shit away. Yeah. yeah, she drinks out of it every morning. It's a good reminder. Okay, and the last question is That's a pitch name. for your mugs. Thanks. You're Thanks for <laughs> pitching the mugs. Joelgist.com. What? Swipe up here. <laughs> last question. The podcast name is Claim It. If you may remember from me taking eight million photos with my hand yeah. like this. <laughs> but when she said like this, she's putting her hand to her mouth. It took a long way of how do I hold my hand? <laughs> A long way She's for good. that idea that I had. That I she wanted. killed it. You nailed it. Um, meaning that it is up to us to claim our worth, to claim our value, to claim our success, to claim our enoughness, that no big photo shoot, no mm-hmm. amount of money, no amount of love from someone is going to give it to us. It sure does help, but that it's up to us. To Nobody could feel that way. We won't really feel it. It's true. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? I'm claiming right now that I am enough. Yes. And that I am good and I am the best person I could be at this moment while yes. sitting on the couch with you. Yay. I love you, Jen. Thanks I love you too, Ben. So much You're awesome. I, I love I love learning about people that I think I know and then I'm like, I don't know anything about this person. <laughs> like, I have this judgment about them. so much more amazing than I ever knew. <laughs> oh, yes, and that's on record. You heard it first here. Trisha Hoffman, geologist, thinks I'm amazing. You're so much more amazing than I already so knew. So much more amazing. I already knew you're amazing. You're amazing, too. <laughs> you truly are. Thank you. Wow. You guys, having these conversations with people is so amazing because I had known Jen for years and getting to actually hear her story was amazing. Go follow her at Jen Rosenstein, jenrosenstein.com for full show notes, yourduologist.com slash podcast. You can, of course, find all things me at yourduologist.com and at yourduologist. 
And yeah, you know, Jen shoots some big ass stars, but she can also shoot you. So if you're in LA or if you're going on a trip to LA, hit her up. She might offer you a good deal because as you heard, she just loves to take pictures and she is amazing. So um, yeah, love Jen. Love having these conversations. Have conversations with the people in your life. Ask them questions. It's amazing. I'm learning so much about myself and through people through this podcast. People that I've known forever. All right. So I'm leaving you with a final thought today of... I get to choose how I want to feel. I get to choose how I feel. Choose. How do you want to feel today? How do you want to feel? Maybe you've got an interview coming up. Um, You're seeing some people that make you nervous usually or something like that. Choose. How do I want to feel when I show up there? Just by naming how you want to feel, you can go into how do I want to feel? I want to feel confident. I want to feel calm. I want to feel joyful. By naming it, you are allowing yourself to actually step into that feeling. All right, I'll see you next time and always over at Your Dryologist. And make sure to subscribe and share the podcast. Thank you.